Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for 82408. 82408, and this is part one of our particular study we're doing today, and it is entitled The Spiritual Danger of Martial Arts. Now, this is something that I've had many requests, and there's people that are adamant on both sides of this particular issue. And what we're going to try to do today is take a look at the subject from a scriptural standpoint. And the thing that we really have to do in regard to looking this, at this subject is leave our opinion, check our opinion at the door. Okay, Some verses to consider before we get started is Proverbs 18.13. And that says, He that answereth the matter, before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So if you've already made up your mind about this, then you've already judged the matter before you've even heard it. Okay, that's a folly and a shame. Galatians 4.16 says, am I, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So these are, we're going to be going over a lot of scriptures today to see if this particular subject lines up with the word of God. This is an uh, article from a Dr. Russell Tardo, uh, The Spiritual Danger of Martial Arts. He starts out by saying, Billy Jack, Bruce Lee, David Carradine's Kung Fu, Chuck Norris, The Karate Kid, Mutant Ninja Turtles... And a host of others have played, uh, made karate a very popular in America. The martial arts were already popular in the Far East when Hollywood glamorized the, fi the fighting techniques with a string of low-budget, B-rated, successful movies. Although highly fictionalized, they found an eager audience in the Western world. We Westerners took to the movies. Well, we Westerners took an immediate shine to the seemingly indestructible karate practitioner portrayed in the movies. He was independent, quiet-spoken, self-confident, fearless, and capable of defeating a veritable army almost single-handedly. Well, what are we dealing with here already? Pride of man? Pride goeth before fall, a haughty spirit before destruction? Karate schools called dojos sprang up in the cities in the U.S. Hundreds of thousands of Americans began their quest for the coveted black belt. Now remember, what started this all out? What was the thing that really got the ball rolling? Hollywood. One of you know, the most satanic organizations that has ever sprung up on the planet that's been, been used to defile particularly American humanity and now a lot of other parts of the world. So that was the thing that really got the ball rolling, Hollywood. So, uh, thousands of Americans began their quest for the coveted black belt, worn only by the martial arts master. From there, it wasn't long before the martial arts began seeping into the Christian church. It's like everything else in the Christian church. You got rock and roll, you got martial arts, now you got yoga, you got, them rec you got them, this whole contemplative uh, new age Christianity that's just totally seeping through the church. It's just one more thing. It's one more piece of leaven. Sadly, it's been the habit of the church to adopt the fads of the world. And thus, many ministries were soon teaching judo instead of Jesus, and holding courses in every conceivable form of martial arts. Recently, several specialized ministries have appeared featuring the martial arts and also combining this with the strongman stunts. The average service held by these Christian karate teams has them breaking bricks, boards, baseball bats, huge blocks of ice, and with their heads, feet, and hands. Phone books and handcuffs are ripped apart, and other things usually associated with Eastern mysticism and the occult, such as nail beds and walking on hot coals, are employed in a spectacular display of speed and strength and skill. Now, I've been there and done that on these. I've been to that whole, I forget what those guys were. Power team, yeah, I've saw them, I probably saw them twice, 
I was, when I was younger, I was involved in Taekwondo. Um, we're going to be talking about acupuncture today, or, or, or in the previous studies, I've had a, a lot of experience with that. I've, I've got a lot of background in this stuff myself. So, if we go further, it says ministers around the world have invited these karate teams to hold crusades in their churches, knowing that they will draw a capacity crowd and can be told the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, what, whatever their, their motivation, you know, that's, that's between them and God. While I do not doubt the good intentions and the sincerity of these men, sincerity is not the issue here. Truth is... Okay, so let's just for a moment say, okay, let's say they're all sincere. Now, we know that's not the case, okay? We know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and that the love of money is the root of all evil. And then that, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And I mean, this martial arts stuff is highly esteemed among men. Okay, let's face it, it is. Sincerity is not the issue here, though. Truth is the issue. Now, let's just read a couple verses that relate to that particular thing. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. You hear me quote this a lot. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a lot of people that are involved in martial arts that call themselves Christians, and yes, it seems right unto them. But the Bible says the end thereof are the ways of death. doesn't mean I think you can't be doing this and, 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 you're, and automatically you're not saved, okay? I'm not saying that... that I'm not going to go that far. I'm just saying that this is a tool of Satan that's being used to deceive a lot of people. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Proverbs 18.2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. So, the people that participate in this, every single time, they're clean in their own eyes. But it really doesn't matter what we think about ourselves. It matters when we look at the Word of God, what the reflection is there. The Word of God is like a mirror. And, and we're going to see that this particular thing, regarding martial arts, is weighed and found wanting. Mark 7.13 says, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. What is martial arts? It's a tradition. It's an oriental tradition that's been handed down over hundreds of years. And it will make the word of God of none effect to a certain degree. The Bible also says that no flesh should glory in his presence. What is martial arts all about? Well, at the higher levels, particularly when we talk about these strength shows that we just mentioned, it is flesh glorying in the presence of God. We go back to the article. So it says, Sincerity is not the issue, truth is, and the former is never a substitute for the latter. So while the motivation behind such performances may be, may be good, the Bible believer is eventually forced to question whether such displays are biblical. That's all that really matters. We know they're popular, but are they compatible with Christianity? Well, okay, ask yourself this question. Imagine how absurd it would be to have Jesus Christ or the Apostles sponsoring or endorsing one of these strongman strength shows, which I've went and saw. I mean, and literally when they're done, the stage looks like it's, it's just, you know, had some 20-car collision on it after they get done breaking the bats, breaking the ice, breaking the boards, breaking the handcuffs. It looks like, you know, pandemonium and chaos. You know, everything should, the Bible says everything should be done in decency and in order. There's nothing in decency and in order about one of these events. It's all about 
getting and inciting the carnality of the flesh. Wow, look how strong he is. Working you up into this emotional fervor and froth to force you into some type of emotional decision that you will make. I know I've been there, and I've seen people around me that were unsaved that went there to these types of things. And yes, they were caught up in the moment. But there was no change whatsoever. There was no lasting change. It's just like the Christian rock concerts. It's no different. I can remember at the Pentecostal church that I was at, and I know I've told this story before, but for the new listeners, I'll tell this. We, I was at this hyper-charismatic church, and they had this real popular rock band at the church, Christian, Christian quote, rock band. And they were saying, and I was one of the people in the ministry there, and they needed people backstage after the event was over, the Christian rock concert, so that when they had their supposed altar call, there, there was going to be all these people to pray with them and you know lead them to the Lord. Well, okay, the Christian rock concert went off without a, without a hitch, and afterward there was all this mass exodus of people that were behind stage, and yes, we were praying for them. And I thought to myself, while this was happening, I thought, oh man, this church is never going to be the same. We're going to have three or four hundred new converts just from this one Christian rock concert, at least, that got saved. And I thought, oh man, this next Sunday is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be the best Sunday ever. Craziest thing, when the next Sunday came around, we actually had less people than we usually have. There were, I did not recognize one new person that had actually come to the church that supposedly had gotten saved. What was the fruit? Was it lasting? No. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that was lasting. It was just purely this emotional experience, which is what the world and the devil loves to supply. But the fruit was never... And imagine Jesus Christ of the Apostles sponsoring one of these martial arts events. Or, or them doing something similar to this. Like, you know, the Apostle Paul busting ice cubes and, and, and um, you know, destroying boards and, and doing all these strengths of feet. Can you imagine how absurd that sounds in the Bible? Or the Bible relaying those stories? Wouldn't that, like, if you read that in the Bible, wouldn't that be like, wow, this is really weird. This doesn't seem to line up with the rest of the Bible, with the meek and contrite and humble spirit and, you know, trembling at his word and, and not, you know, making a show for man and, and no flesh would glory in his presence and all these things and everything should be done in decency and order and that we should be sober and vigilant. All of these Bible verses spring to mind. There would be, you know, obviously it, that's absurd, but yet it's okay and condoned in the modern day church. More to the point, is the martial arts demonstration a biblical, scriptural platform from which to preach Christ? While one may argue that Christ could be preached from any platform, we must also bear in mind that the method we employ affects the, method, the message we preach. I mean, if I come out and I'm in satanic garb, I'm dressed like the high priest of Satan, isn't that going to affect the message that I preach, the platform from which I come to you? For instance, how can someone preach, turn the other cheek, when teaching, you know, kick them in the other cheek? How can one preach love your enemies while teaching how to hurt them? You see, when the method contradicts the message, it destroys the credibility. And seeing phone books ripped apart by scantily clad muscle men who bob, who bob their head up and down, gathering momentum and mental strength as he prepares to crash his head into a thousand pound block of ice, it can't possibly prepare the heart for a message about a meek Savior who extolled humility and scorned self-exaltation. I think this guy brings up some really awesome points. Now, I had 
several requests from people over the last many months asking me to do a, a teaching on this. So this isn't something I just got, you know, mad about the other week. I've been preparing this for preparing to do this for a long time, and there's been a lot of requests from people. Now, this teaching is going to infuriate some of the people on my email list. And again, I ask you, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Some of these people have been begging me to do this teaching. I'm not going to say begging, but they've been really wanting me to do this teaching because they have relayed to me how adversely it affected them while they were involved in it and, and how it spiritually was affecting them. This is what they're telling me. Not what I'm just making up here. So I've got a lot of, in other words, testimonies uh, confirming what we're talking about here today. While stunts such as these that we just described might attract an impressionable group of young people to sign up for a karate class, it is difficult to see how it will cause them to want to enroll in a Sunday school class. Here's another verse to think about. When you have all these guys and these muscle men and, and, and these karate demonstrations and they're going up there and it's all about the flesh and it's all about the pride of life and all this stuff and they're busting ice and breaking ball bats and all these other things. The Bible says in Jeremiah 48.10, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Cursed be he. What are they doing? Well, we're doing the work of the Lord. Bless God, these ball bats and these ice things and that we're doing this to reach the lost for Christ. You're doing the work of the Lord deceitfully. It's not the way God said to do it. Meek and contrite spirit, trembling in his word, you know, all of these other Bible verses we mentioned, and we're going to mention many more. So please do not misunderstand. This is not an outsider's debate against something that I know not of. Now remember, this is from this Dr. Tardo. I was once among the millions of Americans who sought the black belt. I dedicated almost five years of my life to its pursuit. Me personally, I was in Taekwondo. I got up to like green belt first degree or something when I was a child, kid, or I don't know. I was probably like 11 or 12. And I tell you what, looking back, there was nothing Christian about that. Now granted, this guy wasn't Christian, but it was, you know, it was, um, had I stayed in it, looking back, it would have never, ever led me to Christ. Ever. It was the exact polar opposite. So many of the tenets, the tenets of this particular, uh, I was in Taekwondo, and, you know, I, I look back at, like, my, my instructor, uh, we called him Sabu Nim, the guy was Young Nam Lee was his name, he was an 8th degree black belt from Korea, he was one of the only 8th or ninth degree black belts in the world, the guy was mean, I mean, he was, the only time you ever saw that guy happy, I remember this from a kid, now, granted, this was the impression that's left on me. The only time I ever saw that guy happy was on test day, when we were going to go get our next belt. You know why? Because that was the day he collected all the money, because you had to pay to get the belt. So he had literally 100 people paying money on that given day. That was the day he was always happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you would almost pass just because you paid the money. It wasn't really about, in that regard, not to say I didn't earn what I was doing, but it was very much about the money. Because he realized that if a lot of people weren't passing, they would get frustrated and not want to come back. But that guy was mean. And he, had, he encouraged, I can remember many fights that not only myself, but other people were involved in there that turned pretty violent. I can remember a couple that I was in, and uh, I've always struggled with my temper as it is. And you get kicked in the face, 
I remember I had a guy one time spar me, and he shook my hand. He was a friend of mine. He punched me right in the face. And I came out, and I kind of cleaned his clock. And he went on, and never forget this, he went on to, uh, him and his brother, to be, like, really, really, really high-level black belts. And he went on, his name was Jamie. He was in a bar one night, and some guy came up to him, this was locally where I live, and did something or, or made him mad, and he gave him an open palm right to the nose, pushed his, his, it's a particular move, you can kill somebody. Killed the guy right there in the bar, he's probably in prison to this day. Hey, that's great fruit. They went, to, they went on to, to um, get into all kind of trouble. Pride of life. They went way beyond what they were doing there at the particular place that I was at. But see, that's the, you know, I look at this whole thing, and I've got a lot of history, too. And, and looking back, it's, it's not good. Not good what I see. So this particular man writing the article said he dedicated almost five years of his life to this pursuit. And then someone intervened, and it was Jesus Christ. When I received Christ, no one had to tell me that karate was wrong or unchristian. I just knew it automatically. But yet, we have so many people that are involved in martial arts, and they see absolutely nothing wrong with it, and they will defend it tooth and nail. They'll defend it more than they will the Bible a lot of the times, from what I've seen. And I'm going to tell you about one of the experiences I had a little bit later with this in the church. He said, that was almost 20 years ago. I knew it automatically that it was wrong. Now I am saddened by a generation of Christians who see no conflict between martial arts and Christ. They naively believe that karate, that karate's source can be divorced from its practice. This is, we shall see, faulty reasoning. The fact is, all the martial arts were birthed from an anti-Christian womb. That is why their philosophy attacks the teachings of Jesus at every hand. Did you know that? The very philosophies that the martial arts is based upon attacks Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Shouldn't that be a red flag? And their practice conflicts with his example. I discovered that the martial arts were not harmless practices, but with grave spiritual dangers looked at every corridor of their use. The particular style I study was Korean Hapkido, but all of the styles spring from the same source. Remember that. All of the style. Because you could say, yeah, it applies to karate, but it doesn't apply to... Hapkido, or Taekwondo, or whatever. That's, that's, I'm sorry. But that argument does not hold up at all. They all spring from the same source. Thus, it is out of joint, genuine concern that I feel obligated to make every Christian aware of these spiritual dangers of the martial arts. This is acting as a watchman. If, you, if the watchman seeth the sword coming and warn not the city, then his blood will be required at the watchman's hands. This is what we're doing today. We're warning people that may be caught up into this as I was at one time. So, the first thing we'll be talking about, martial arts all originate in false religion. Funk and Wagnall says, quote, the art of karate is more than a thousand years old and originated in the ancient Orient first as a monastic training, like the monks, monastic training, not, not Catholic. Okay, we're talking Oriental version of that. First in monastic training and later as a defense by the Chinese peasants against armed bandits. Karate developed much later than its forerunners, the Chinese Kung Fu, which is more diverse and holds more closely to its Buddhist philosophical roots. They, now, again, the people, the, the martial artists, the people that write about karate and all these different martial arts openly admit of the 
intimate relationship that the martial arts has with all of these other false religions like Taoism and Buddhism, things of this nature, it's, it's, you cannot separate the two. That in and of itself should be enough for us to flee. Okay, I'm going to give you hopefully tons of reasons today to flee all appearance of evil because that's what you would be doing if you walk away from the martial arts. Definitely erring on the side of safety is walking away here. Bob Larson, a respected Christian author and researcher, says, The original religious philosophy of Kung Fu dates back to 2696 B.C., where it was rooted in the occultic forms of divination known as I Ching and the Book of Changes. And it says it right here. I mean, it's rooted. Well, if the root be rotten, the whole... Everything that comes from the root is rotten. The head be sick, the whole body's sick. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's rooted in occultic forms of divination. Lyo Tzu, I know I'm butchering the words, I'm sorry. I don't speak fluent Chinese and Korean. The Chinese sage born in 1604 BC further added the demonic embellishments. His teachings were set forth in 5280 in a 5,280-word manuscript called Tao Te Ching, often simply called the Tao, or the Way. He taught that salvation could not be found in prayer, but rather by the observance of nature. With the adoption of Taoism, Kung Fu developed into a complex system of occult practices that included contemplation and breathing exercises. Sounds like the same thing that's going on in, in, the, uh, in the church today. That they're bringing this stuff into the church, this contemplative Christianity, where the New Age is permeating into the church. It's very, very similar to this stuff. The common doctrine of the, it's called KI, made acupuncture an aid in the quest for health and physical development. We're going to see later um, next week how acupuncture um, is involved with this, and how that's something you want to avoid as well. Acupuncture is an aid for quelth. Uh, health quest and physical development. Eventually, this led into a search for the mysteries of alchemy. Further tainted Kung Fu with overtones of demonism. In other words, it started out corrupt and it just got more and more corrupt. This is the way Satan always does things. The next development in the history of Kung Fu took place when a monk named... Oh boy. Bodhid Harama brought Buddhism to China in the 6th century AD when he discovered the monks sleeping during his lectures... He must have been not, you know, really exciting lecturer, sorry. Uh, he introduced exercises to assist them in meditation. Later known as I Chin Satura, it combined Kung Fu with the philosophical principles of Zen to develop a highly sophisticated form of weaponless defense. The monks at Shaolin Temple became famous for their savage abilities of defense employed wherever they were attacked in the course of pilgrimages. Now, this is one of the earliest movies that Hollywood made about these Shaolin monks. Eventually, two schools of practice evolved of these Shaolin monks. The Chun Fi, or Kung Fu, based upon the hard external school of Buddhism and the soft internal school of Taoism or Taoism, as the martial arts, it's spelled T-A-O-I-S-I-M, as the martial arts spread beyond the monastery to the fields of war, some of the religious flavor was lost. But the essential undergirding pagan principles have never been completely overshadowed, even to this day. Christians who participate in martial arts and insist that they do not include any forms of occultism in their practice still cannot de deny its patently pagan roots.
And again, if the head be sick, the whole body's going to be sick. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? There's another verse to consider. Hopefully what I've already just told you, if you weren't... If you were to look at this, and you look at the tenets of the martial arts, and compare it with the Bible, there's a lot of conflicting things we've already mentioned. Whereas the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused about something, God's not the author of it, okay? I mean, this does not line up with the Word of God. Ephesians 5.11, But have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, that's what we're talking about today, we're not supposed to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's what we're doing. We're reproving them. We're exposing them. We're having no fellowship. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers either, right? Well, that's what you're doing if you're, if you're in some martial art class, even if it's some Christian martial art class. Where is the foundation of that particular martial arts that you're studying? Where is that? Okay? Well, it's rooted in paganism you are still unequally yoked together with unbelievers because you're adopting unbelievers' um, training methodologies and that's what you're following. So there's a problem there too. Matthew 24, 24, regarding their times what we're living in, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. This is just one more way Satan is deceiving people. Just one of the many. 2 Corinthians 2.11, here's a big one. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is, isn't that what we're talking about today? There's so many people that Satan, that call themselves Christians, has gotten an advantage of because they're ignorant of his devices. They're also being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 So again, hopefully I've given you enough scripture at this point to, to take a hard look at this. Now, if a corrupt tree cannot produce good fruit, according to Matthew 7.17 and 18... How can we possibly believe that the rotten core of occultism lying at the root of martial arts does not taint and pervert them? The Bible does not tell us to embrace the occult, but to flee from it. Romans 13.12 says, Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. We're supposed to cast off the works of darkness. To flee all appearance of evil. How can you be involved in martial arts and, not be, fleeing, and, and be fleeing all appearance of evil? Because a lot of people would look at that from a secular standpoint and say, hey, there's Mr. Christian over there and he's breaking boards and he's doing a sparring practice and he's kicking people's, you know, behind and he's calling himself a Christian. How is that fleeing all appearance of evil? Do you see the contradictions you run into here? Martial arts, here's another thing to bring up. The martial arts all have an underlying occult philosophy. In martial arts, the practitioner exercises mind over matter. Through, and through meditation taps into the consciousness of the great power. Surprisingly, many Christians miss the connection between karate and the occult. They see it as mere physical exercise, but they are blinded to its spiritual and philosophical aspects, all born of the ancient Orient. Proper frame of mind is essential to karate practice. In order to break boards, one must focus. This is called kaim. That is, he must see through the boards. See his fist emerging through the other side of the boards. This is the occult practice of visualization and mind over matter. Now, again, you could visualize something as far as a goal and these types of things. That doesn't necessarily have to be occult. But this is a 
different thing we're talking about here. The same is true for shattering bricks or ice. He must empty his mind of the thought of either pain or failure and concentrate all the energy of his body on a specific target. In entering such a mental state, the practitioner willingly or not has crossed over into the sinister realm of the occult. Matsui, or Matt, Mas, I can't even say this guy's name, I'll be honest. Just say Matsui Oyama, one of the world's most renowned karate experts, said, quote, and this is what he's saying, not what I'm saying, always more vital to karate than techniques or strength is the spiritual element that lets you move and act with complete freedom. Now, this is a high-level kingpin karate guru guy. He says the spiritual element is always more vital to karate than techniques or strength. Spiritual. In striving to enter the proper frame of mind, Zen meditation is of great importance. Though we say that this meditation involves a state of impassivity and complete lack of thought, we mean that through meditation we can overcome emotion and thinking and give freer reign to our innate abilities than ever before. The man who wants to walk the way of karate cannot afford to neglect Zen and the spiritual training. End of quote. It can't, you cannot separate the two. Now, I've had a lot of people email, oh no, we separate the two. We don't, we don't get in any of the occult aspects of this at all. Well, that's between you and God, okay? But I'm just telling you right now, I don't see how you can separate the two. Now, when he says that you have to, uh, the meditation before they're going to do these particular things involves a state of impassivity and complete lack of thought. Where have I heard this before? Well, this is what the New Agers do when they empty their mind and get in touch with whoever they're trying to get in touch with. Whether it's their, if they're trying to channel some demonic spirit or get in touch with some supposed ascended master or do this or do that. Satan loves for you to get into this mantra meditation state and empty your mind because I believe it opens you up to demonic infestation. This is why Satan is so big on this. The Beatles, when they came um, in the late 60s or whatever, they were the ones that introduced America in a big way to the concept of transcendental meditation through that yogi guy. And a lot of people are going to go to hell because of the Beatles. I've seen a whole study on how they were integrally tied in with this guy and how that influenced so many of the songs that they wrote and so much of the propaganda that they put out. They were as Christ-hating as you could be, the Beatles were. And that all had to do, a lot of it had to do with this transcendental med meditation. We go further. As Oyama said, this guy that we just quoted, this karate master, he said Zen, which is occultism, is an essential ingredient to karate. In fact, it is precisely the occult connection through which the karate master derives his uncanny powers, such as catching bullets in his teeth. Now, I've never seen that one done. I, I, that's one I'd really like to see. Doug, you can catch bullets in your teeth, can't you? Okay. A anyway, pulling punches... Oh, here's a good one. Pulling punches short of striking the body with the effect still felt. Whoa! So, in other words, you go to punch somebody, but you don't actually hit them, but the effect is still felt. This is getting into a lot of the stuff you see on TV nowadays, like with heroes and all these superhuman shows, these supposed people that are going to be the saviors of all mankind. We have the star children and the indigo children. Now we have these people that have these extraordinary powers. It's all demonic. It's all witchcraft is all it is. But they're supposedly going to be the saviors of all mankind. And what's going to ultimately end up happening is when the Antichrist makes his arrival with the Ascended Masters, they're going to point to them and say, oh, there's where we get our power from. 
So if you want to be like us, you got to go to him. Guaranteed. It's what's coming. What's, the, what's another thing? They can, well, they can exercise psychokinetic power sometimes, moving objects by mental forces alone. Now, again, the further you go up in the belt system, whether you're in karate or taekwondo or whatever, the more powers that you, ob- you obtain. Sometimes these actually get into the realm of these types of powers that we're talking about here today. Now, how is all this done? The, when you get into, I mean, somebody could catch a bullet with his teeth or, or um, punches pulling short of striking the body, but with the effect still felt. Let's talk about that one. How is that done? It's done, whether they want to admit it or not, by summoning demons in order to do these feats and accomplish their dirty work. Who does it glorify? Jesus Christ glorifies self. Bible says again, no flesh should glory in my presence. Jesus, God said that in his word. This is a common witchcraft recruiting tool. I've seen scenarios where somebody that was involved in witchcraft, they would bring the... the person they wanted to convert, and they would say, hey, listen, you know, I've, I've got powers, I'm, I'm a witch, or I'm a warlock, or whatever, and I've got powers, and, and they, and, you know, they would say, okay, let me demonstrate my powers to you, and if, if you, if you want to join us, you'll have these type of powers too, eventually, and essentially, they would have something like where maybe they would levitate, or maybe they would levitate like a chair or table off the ground. What is that? They're summoning demons through witchcraft in order to raise that object. Demons have power. Fallen angels have power, okay? They can actually move physical objects. This is why when you watch these ghost stories and stuff like this, oh, the, the bookcase moved, or, or a book flew across the room. These are demons doing this. Are those shows ever glorifying Jesus Christ? No. They can call them ghosts or poltergeists or whatever they want to. They're demonic, evil entities. Okay, that's what we're dealing with. And they do have power to a certain extent, to be able to move physical objects. If Satan can get you to go to hell because he rose some table off the ground five inches, don't you think he's going to raise them all day long? And we know that's the chief way that the Antichrist is going to deceive the masses through the miracles and the lying signs and wonders. That's the, that's the very chief tool that he's going to use to deceive all humanity. And it's a common witchcraft recruiting tool. Well, it's a common recruiting tool to get you to go into the martial arts. You see these, these big strength demonstrations, they're breaking boards, they're breaking concrete, they're doing whatever, and, and you know, particularly men, we want to have that machismo thing going on, and we want to be able to do that and, and, and be really strong and tough. And so, that appeals to our masculine nature, and we want to go, and we want to break boards, and we want to be strong and tough like that. It's a witchcraft recruiting tool. Is what it is. This is what we're doing here. So if you had somebody that that supposedly delivered a punch, he didn't hit the guy, but the effect was still felt, that would be much more awe-inspiring than if he actually punched the person and the effect was felt. That would get into the whole mystical realm of, wow, he's got actually powers now that are doing this. I want those powers. I want to be like the Most High. I want to ascend under the sides of the North. It's what Satan said. It's what Lucifer said when he first fell. That's where it all started. He got jealous. He wanted to be like that. The pride. See, pride blinds you. The opposite of pride is humility, humbleness, a meek and contrite spirit, and fearing God. It's the opposite polar end. So, just some things to think about here. Furthermore, this o- Oyama, this, this high-level world's most renowned karate expert, said, quote, Though it seems impossible, with karate... You can actually snap off the top of a beer bottle with, with your bare knife hand. 
Now, that's something I've always aspired to. I don't know about you, Lisa, but I, I, you know, what's not to like about that? You don't need a bottle opener anymore. You know, you can be manly. He said, starting again, he said, mastering the fundamentals and unflagging constant daily spiritual and bodily training. He's saying it's a constant daily spiritual and bodily training. It's the only way you can achieve to these levels. See, Satan is going to make you jump through Tons and tons and tons and tons of hoop in, hoops in order to get his carrots. Okay, that's how Satan is. So it's a constant daily spiritual and bodily training. He will make, it says, will make the impossible possible for anyone. So in other words, anybody can do it if you put your mind to it. Certainly, breaking the neck off a beer bottle and leaving the bottle standing is difficult. This is this guy quoted here. But constant karate training can help you develop the speed and strength that will surpass all common sense. I mean, where do I sign up? So, Oyama has also engaged in unarmed battle with bulls. Now, Nonetti, you did that last week, didn't you? Out here and back. He's, he's dealt in unarmed battles with bulls, this guy. Guy's an animal. I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's he's macho as it gets. In his lifetime, he dealt sudden death to three bulls. (laughs) Can you imagine? i never seen this before. He broke the horns off 48 others. He karate chopped the horns and busted the horns off 48 bulls and he killed three of them. I'm telling you, man, this this appeals to the, the machismo side of the male psyche. Doesn't get any better than this. Now, I'm obviously I'm being facetious here, but I'm talking about this is how the typical male thinks. Okay, I'm being honest. Obviously, such amazing feats of of strength spring from no mere human source. This is the truth. He doesn't. He's not. Sorry, I don't believe it. There's something way more going on if he's killing bulls and breaking their horns off, and the guy's still living. What does this also lead to? Man worship. You have a guy like this, Oyama, this Master Sensei Oyama, and he's doing this stuff, and all of his disciples, and I mean that literally, disciples, because this is a religion we're dealing with here. Religion's absolutely tied in with it. He even said it. Spiritually, you can't separate the two. They look to him, and they revere this man, and... It's a form of man worship. And he's all more than willing to receive their accolades and their pride. And, and, and pride wells up in him. Jeremiah 17.5, though, says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. How much more could you make flesh your arm than if you were looking up to this guy like this, Oyama? You're making flesh your arm. You're, you're, you're relying on flesh. What can I do? But it said, Cursed be the man that does that. Because your heart will depart from the Lord. Even if you started out, let's say you're on fire for Christ, but you got into this, you're going to have to at some point choose whom this day, who you're going to serve. Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be karate? Furthermore, there is a form of divination or fortune telling or knowledge of future events that begins to operate in those who advance in the karate disciplines. Haidetaka Nishiyama and Richard C. Brown in their book Karate, The Art of the Empty Hand Fighting said, quote, At an advanced level, it is even possible for a karate expert to sense the movements of his opponents before they take place. Hmm. This is like divination. 
Though such divining is not an uncommon practice in occultism, any matter of it is not only forbidden by God, but is, it is an abomination unto him. Where does it say that? Leviticus 19.26, Deuteronomy 18.10, Isaiah 19.3, Acts 16.16. 16. Thus, to deny the occult source and presence in karate is to deny the obvious. So additionally, martial arts practitioners traffic in other aspects of pagan idolatrous religions. Walking on hot coals, lying on nail beds, which practices are links to Buddhism, Hinduism, and not Christianity. And again, who's being glorified here? It's self. Self-exaltation. Even the term martial arts itself derives itself from the arts of war. Deriving from Mars, the ancient Roman god of war. Martial arts, M-A-R. Deriving from Mars, the ancient god of war. Okay? Thus, it is very, its very title presupposes violence and aggression. How can a disciple of Christ also practice the disciplines of the ancient pagan god of war? How can one who practices Christianity also practice blatant occultism? You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. 1 Corinthians 10.21 This is a philosophy... This is the philosophy you will learn in karate if, if you go into it. Turning your cheek or kicking your adversary's cheek. Which one do you do? Matthew 5.39 Blessing them that curse you and doing good to them which despitefully use you. Or, you know, beating them up. That, was, that verse was from Matthew 5.44 After all, did Jesus teach and set an example of self-denial or self-defense? The martial arts glorify the flesh. A few, a few pertinent questions are in order here. If we dedicate ourselves to a diligent um, bodybuilding, will our great physique draw the loss to Christ? Uh, trust me, I've been down that road with the bodybuilding thing, and <laughs> it is the most self-centered sport on the planet. Absolutely, unequivocally, totally. I did a bodybuilding competition in 1992 when I was in chiropractic college. I did Mr. Atlanta. And I'm telling you, it was the most self-centered time of my life ever. Probably one of the most miserable times because it's one of the hardest things you can possibly ever do is to try to maintain a lot of muscle mass and get down to a low body fat. It's, but it's, I can look back and say it was the most self-centered time of my life ever. Bar none, ever. So, granted, I was not saved. It was quite a bit, not quite a bit, but it was before I got saved. But I, I can weigh in on that one a little bit as well. So, if, if so, then do men of a greater statue like Goliath, who follow false religions, have a distinct advantage over Christians of smaller size? Just questions to ask yourself. Will their huge size enable them to convert more of their religion, more to their, their religion than we can to ours, simply because they are bigger than we? Was then the Apostle Paul's ministry complete failure because he was actually short? So, furthermore, how is Christ glorified by the stunts of physical strength? Again, this breeds pride. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. No one in history was stronger than Samson, yet even his magnificent feats of strength did not result in the conversion of a single Philistine. He tore off he tore off not mere handcuffs, but the gigantic gates of Gaza, laid them on his shoulders and deposited them on, hilltop, on a hilltop miles away. Yet, even this feat did not bring a single Philistine to repentance and faith in God of Israel. As far as we know, the Bible didn't record it if it did. This being true, how are we to believe that the kicking of a few bricks and breaking a few boards will somehow cause a wholesale repentance among the unsaved? Again, do we have any scriptural precedents for this? 
No. Do we have any um, biblical precedents from, let's, looking back to the martyrs? I'm sure the martyrs um, during the, like, the Spanish Catholic Inquisition, I'm sure they were having little strength and stuntman shows on the side where they were breaking boards and doing all these things to convert the, the converts. I'm sure they were really concerned with that. Okay, and so then we go and we look at the Bible verse where it talks about where John the Baptist said that he must increase and I must decrease. John uh, 3.30. Let us be brutally honest. Who is increasing through martial arts? Isn't it the karate practitioner who is still attracting all the attention, praise, and admiration as he grunts and kicks, jumps and breaks boards and bricks? Isn't it the strongman who rips apart the phone books and snaps baseball bats who is admired and not Jesus Christ? Isn't it possible that the impressionable young people go home committing the sin that Jude committed in Jude 16, where he said, having men's persons in admiration, and God says, no flesh will glory in my presence? I mean, God created the universe. I mean, he, he, he's, he is strength. He is power. And we are, we are nothing compared to him in regard to that power. Okay, and yet you have these men who go and they seek to be you know, do all this stuff and glory in their flesh and glory in their carnality, it's a direct contradiction of the Word of God. So, is Christ displaced to the far background while men take center stage in these demonstrations? Is the eternal principle of John 33.30 directly violated? John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. One of the, the best Christians I ever knew um, I remember when he get he lent me this book to borrow um, one time, and on the inside cover, he had written John thirty three thirty, and and I thought, hmm, and I didn't had the verse memorized, but when I went and looked it up, it, and it was this verse, you know, he must increase, but I must decrease, and really, the reality is, is that's what our Christian walk is all about. If you if you really want to boil it down, we must decrease to self. And Jesus Christ must increase. Okay, this goes along with Galatians 2.20, where it talks in the Bible about being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ liveth within me. So, it's the whole concept of this. And again, it's, it's polar opposite, totally contradictory to the subject we're talking about today with martial arts. How can Jesus Christ increase at the same time men increase? How does the martial art artist or... Muscle men decrease while strutting his stuff across stage. <laughs> Isn't it obvious that such displays glorify the creature rather than the creator? According to the Apostle Paul, the only glory we should have is in the cross of Christ, Galatians 6.14, and not our own power, ability, or physique. If feats of strength were so effective as a means of reaching the loss, then why can't we find even one remote e reference um, in the New Testament, Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy ever using them in any of their three missionary journeys. Can you imagine? They have their own little strongman thing going. And <laughs> I mean, it sounds so ludicrous, but that's what we do today and we don't think anything of it. That's what the churches do today. Yet, if you, if you try to even remotely start to even think about this in a biblical context, context you can't help but chuckle because it's so, it's so crazy. But it's okay today, because evidently we're better than they. We're, we're more spiritual, you know, is, is evidently what the modern-day church thinks. And again, that's why the Bible talks about, in Revelation 3, regarding the Laodicean church, that they're neither hot nor cold, but they're lukewarm, and they're blind, and they can't see. Yet they, they think that they're rich and increased in goods and in need of nothing, 
but they're actually blind and pitiful, naked and wretched in God's eyes because His ways are not our ways. Now again, I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Perfect and I've attained all and, and I am the Grand Poobah. I, if I got what I deserved, I would get death. Okay, So let me just state that right off the bat. Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who, will sh- who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I should do, that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, that I do. Okay, That doesn't give us an excuse to use our liberty for an occasion under the flesh that we may sin that grace may be abound. It doesn't give us an excuse to do that. But I can relate to that verse. So, let me just... I'm, I'm not trying to act like I'm Mr. Perfect here today presenting this teaching. So if we go further, it says, Seriously, beloved, can anyone imagine Paul <laughs> on stage at Philippi <laughs> clapping while some Ma- Macedonian Muslim breaks a block of ice with his head? <laughs> I mean, you can't help but laugh <laughs> when you start talking about this stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. That's not the kind of power Paul was interested in. <sighs> Indeed, he re- had he relied on that kind of power, he would have had no power to look the devil in the eye and say, and command these in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her, according to Acts 16.18. No, the power Paul enjoyed and the power employed by the martial artists are mutually exclusive, and God's power will not be seen as long as man's power is in the spotlight. It's true. Worse yet, it is an actual stumbling block cast before the young and the vulnerable. Jesus warned, but who shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the, in, the de- in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom, offenses, by whom the offense cometh. Matthew 18, 6 and 7. Those who promote the martial arts in spite of its inherent occultism endanger the very souls of the young and the tender Christians. Every stream of martial arts flows from the same polluted river of occultism. To downplay this occult connection, or worse yet, to deny it altogether, while at the same time promoting martial arts, is to throw the Christians to the lions. Now we get really, really serious, because the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Well, isn't that what we're doing here when we... When we Promote martial arts if we're a Christian? We're calling good. And even if, okay, let's say, well, yeah, but we're doing it in my church and we're leaving out all the occult aspects of it and we're doing this and that. You know, you're getting somebody involved in something that is incredibly questionable. You could put a Christian veneer on it all day long. It doesn't make it Christian. Okay? And then that, who knows what that person's going to even do in the future. They've already been indoctrinated in it. They've already been introduced to it. They may end up overtly going into, you know, the other later. You just don't know. This is not something you want to lead somebody to and have their blood be required at your hands. It's just not something you want to mess with. Innocent young believers are sucked into the deep undercurrents of the Buddhist and Hindu spirituality that permeates the martial arts. Remember, there's a spirit that goes along with this and you're not seeing the spirit. You can say, yeah, we're not doing any of that other stuff. It doesn't really matter what you think. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It doesn't really matter what you think. The spirits are still there. The spirits are still there and influencing you. And if you're participating in these types of things, they are going to influence you and they are going to eventually inhabit you or influence you heavily in your actions. See, because we can't see the spirits though, the demons and the devils... We think, oh, it's okay. We're, we're, we're keeping it away from all this oriental stuff and all this. 
You have to look at the foundation. There's no way it can be done. Hopefully we've proven that already. Or at bare minimum, why wouldn't you want to at least err on the side of safety? I mean, hopefully what we've said already, you would want to at least say, you know what, I'm really unsure about this. I need to err on the side of safety. I need to get into the Word of God. For no other reason than that. And that's really the least of all reasons. Hopefully we presented a stronger case. So if we go further, many young believers are sucked into the deep undercurrents of the Buddhist and Hindu spirituality that permeates the martial arts, and many of them never resurface. What if you let somebody into this? You know? They become prey, and the church or individual Christian who initiated them into the martial arts becomes guilty of their blood and responsible for their deception. God will hold them accountable. Now, I'm not saying if you've done this in the past and come out of it and warn people. I'm not talking. I'm talking about if you're actively or have been actively promoting getting people involved in this stuff. Here's another thing to think of. Scripture declares that the Christian weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, according to 2 Corinthians 10:4. And remember how we battle against how we battle not against flesh and blood but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, and therefore we're told to put on the full armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, loins girded with truth, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, putting on the helmet of salvation and taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and above all, praying with all supplication. That's our true weapons of warfare and our true protection. But it's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. So, these battles are not fleshly, tangible, or material, since our warfare is a spiritual one against a spiritual adversary, the devil. According to 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, the devil seeks as a, he's a, as a roaring lion, seeking whom may, he may devour. It says, then obviously the weapons which we fight must resist and resist must be spiritual and not carnal or fleshly in nature. Our weapons are the spiritual weapons of praise, prayer, faith, the word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus the martial arts, remember the Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This is in Revelation, Tribulation Saints. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto the death. That's how we overcome. Now that is diametrically opposed to what we're talking about with martial arts. No, no, you overcome then through your fists and through karate. This type of stuff. It's, it's totally the opposite, if you think about it. Martial arts contrarily make fleshly weapons of the head, feet, and hands. Furthermore, employing the martial arts against another person overlooks the fact that our true foes are not human, but spiritual. The spiritual things that you deal with, if you're dealing with a human, it's not so much the human, it's the demons or devils that are guiding that human. So you could literally kill the human, but the demons and devils are still there. They've just went to influence someone else. And that person's burning in hell. So again, it's, it's kind of a mindset shift that you have to have here to understand this in totality. Thus, the martial arts are not only a cult, they are carnal. They are carnal means to a carnal end. They gender carnality, such as vanity, pride, strife, self-confidence, vainglory. In fact, we can state unequivocally that virtually every aspect of martial arts is either carnal or occult. For instance, the karate yell employed by the practitioner before striking his victim is intended to instill fear. That is not only carnal, it is diabolical. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind, these types of things. We're supposed to have the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of man, which is what we're talking about here, the fear of man bringeth a snare. So many people that want 
that get into this martial arts and get into the whole karate stuff, they're really motivated by the fear of man. They're afraid of what's going to be done to them. Now, granted, I understand that's human nature to a certain extent. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, understanding. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So if you really want true protection, you need to fear God and not man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Uh, where it says God has not given us a spirit of fear is 2 Timothy 1.7. The karate symbol, present in almost every stream of martial arts and acupuncture, and many of the things of New Age, is the yin-yang symbol, the ancient religion occult symbol of contrast with good and evil, light and darkness, right and wrong. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell, the whole yin-yang thing. That's the symbol for Taoism, which is just one more religion that's going to take millions and millions and millions of people to hell. It's another reason you want to avoid it. Martial arts prowess is carnal at best, demonic at worst, and the martial arts philosophy is predominantly spiritual, borrowed from anti-Christian religions such as Buddhism and Hinduism. But these people that participate in this stuff try to say, yeah, but we're using the spiritual aspects for good. We're, we, we're, we've put our, our, our Christian veneer and stamp of approval on it, therefore it's okay. We all appearance of evil. Thus in philosophy and in practice, the martial arts are not only a cult, they are carnal. The Bible warns to be carnally minded is death. In Romans 8, 6, by their fruits you shall know them also. While those who promote the Chinese karate terms, teams cite their bountiful fruit as evidence of their legitimacy, a careful scrutiny of this so-called fruit is in order. Much of the time, what is proclaimed to be genuine, God-ordained fruit is really the waxy artificial department store variety. For instance, one church hosted a well-known karate ministry and boasted that their community's entire public school School football team was converted through the martial arts demonstration. Now, hearken back to the testimony I gave about the Christian rock concert at the charismatic church I was at. This is very similar. However, and it's, again, it's the same exact fruit of what I just talked about with the rock concert. However, none of those converts ever as much visited the church that hosted the conference. Right there. And no evidence of fruit has been noted by anyone knowing the football team. Oh, why not? They all got converted at the karate show. No, they really didn't get converted. It was, it was, you know, like, it was a false conversion. It was an emotional, carnal, supposed conversion. It was, there was no lasting fruit at all, obviously. I mean, if the Holy Spirit was living inside every one of those football players, why wasn't there any change? However, none of these converts ever as much as visited the church that hosted the conference, and no evidence of fruit has been noted by anyone knowing the football team. On the other hand, the fruit has been observed after such crusades in the lives of Christians who take martial arts lessons includes. Now, this is fruit that's been observed after a lot of these supposed strongman crusades where they're busting and breaking everything, and in the, the um, parents that have enrolled their children in these martial arts classes, whether, whether they want to call it Christian martial arts or whatever. This, this is some of the fruit. Uh, one, children kicking and punching their brothers or sisters, now that they've learned this new way to, to uh, defend and attack. Uh, another thing, a new interest in violence in Christian homes, violent toys returning to violent movies, and even a desire to inflict violence upon others. While learning of the martial arts, they, they come... With the learning of the martial arts comes the longing to use it, in other words. Hey, I'm learning this stuff, I might as well use it. Another thing, children getting into fights at school, in the neighborhood. Karate students often develop a sense of cockiness and an inflated sense of their self-defense ability, which can lead to trouble. I've seen this 
I've definitely seen this. Fights then they formerly would have avoided or walked away from, which is actually a true Christian pattern, now they engage in. More than a few six-month karate experts have developed too late that they know just enough karate to get them hurt. In spite of what the movies show, today's violent street thugs are not likely to be defeated by karate. They have fought many times before, and yes, they've even fought karate men before. So they won't scare with some stance or some yell. In fact, in many cities, jumping into a karate stance will almost guarantee a um, full assault of bullets. Karate offers little defense against automatic weapons. It's a good point. They're not faster than a bullet. Although that one guy did catch bullets in his teeth, so now maybe he's the exception of the rule now. Okay, so we gotta... You know, he could beat up bulls and catch bullets. Another thing to think about is legitimizing the occult. It is always wrong to use occult practices in a church to legitimize them in the minds of the impressionable. If martial arts are acceptable, so are the attending elements. Occult meditation, firewalking, employing Hindu nail beds, etc. Unfortunately, the martial arts are simply another form of Eastern mysticism that has crept into the Christian church along with other New Age pagan practices and beliefs. Another thing, paranoia. He's speaking from experience. Many karate students often exhibit the exact opposite of what, what Jesus promised his disciples. Instead of um, peace, calm, love, joy, they are consumed with fear, imagining everyone is their potential enemy. This can and does foment in a, to a point of paranoia. Amen. Again, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Martial arts does not promote the fear of God. It promotes the fear of man. Another, some other important questions to consider. Does the end really justify the means, or do the means determine the end? Is filling our church auditorium with people a pure enough motive, regardless of the message they see and hear? Obviously not. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Did Jesus seek to only draw large crowds? Obviously the answer is no. Several times after performing actual miracles... Not mere strongman stunts. He even told people not to even tell others. Remember, many of the greatest miracles were done in relatively private settings, or only before a small number. He walked on water in a solitary place, only before a few. When he turned the water into wine, no one but the servers really knew it. There was no big demonstration. No one called for all to come and see the signs and wonders. Though some of the Lord's healings were done in public, many were performed in relative privacy like the healing of Jairus' daughter, the deliverance of the gathering, etc. The fact is, when the biggest crowds were present, he would usually teach them, not demonstrate what he could do. Can you imagine, again, Jesus breaking boards and stuff like that? Give me a break. How, how unlikely today, how unlike today's cheap, shallow, circus-like karate demonstrations for Christ? So what about using martial arts as an exercise? Because this is the big justification. This is how they justify yoga as well. And we're going to be talking about yoga next week, Lord willing. Many Christians have been seduced by the exer exercise aspect of karate, yoga, etc. Where will it lead? Eventually, those who embark on the karate journey will inevitably be overcome by spiritual aspects of it as well. The two sides of karate, the physical and the spiritual, are so closely intertwined as to make them inseparable. Absolutely. That's what the karate masters say, too. Can't accuse them of being biased. To explore the one is to discover the other. There are enough non-occultic forms of exercise to take advantage of so as to leave us, to, so, so as to leave us without excuse here. I mean, in, in other words, there's other ways you could exercise and not have to participate in some occult activity. 
The whole concept and practice of martial arts contradicts Christianity. It is at once occult, fleshly, man-serving, Christ-denying. It is in fact anti-Christian in spirit, philosophy, and practice. Smashing bricks, breaking boards, opposes the example of Christ. The Bible says of him that Christ was of a meek and lowly and a contrite spirit and that we're supposed to follow that example. He says, come follow me, remember? I'm meek and lowly. The ultimate goal of karate is not mere physical but spiritual enlightenment, occultism. It is a veritable spider's web seeking to ensnare the unwary, the ignorant, and the self-confident who believe they can dabble in the devil's web of occultism and not become its prey. It's impossible to do. Dear reader, please... Consider these warnings and remember the Apostle Paul's admonishing, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Second Corinthians 2.11, and we're going to end part one there, and we'll go to part two next.